The way to think about dopamine it is that it is a non-infinite yet renewable resource. Non-infinite yet renewable. What do I mean by that? Well, this relates to the, the energy drink caffeine question. Should you be doing all this stuff? Just as adrenaline, epinephrine, is released in response to psychological stressors, physical stressors, cold water, final exams, you know, broken relationship, excitement. I mean, these are generic molecules, right? I mean, they're, they're used to create activation states in the body. Dopamine is the molecule of motivation, pursuit, and desire. And it can be triggered by a number of different things. However, it is a non-infinite yet renewable resource. So if you have too big a dopamine release, let's say from methamphetamine, cocaine, or from um, being in a lot of gunfights in, in a short period of time, the period immediately after that will involve a mirror symmetric decrease in dopamine. You don't go back down to baseline, you go below baseline. We all should guard our dopamine peaks very carefully. A little bit goes a long way. A lot goes even further, but it also takes you down deeper afterwards. This is the basis of addiction. So the, the dip afterwards is actually associated with a molecule called dynorphin, which is the opposite of endorphin and involves pain in the body. So for every bit of pleasure that we get from pursuit and getting the thing that we were pursuing, the crash that comes afterwards feels painful. All that we need to do in order to return to a baseline of dopamine, renew that resource, is to wait and make sure that we don't try and trigger yet more dopamine in that time. So you asked about, should I be taking caffeine in addition to training and blasting music? I always say people differ on this spectrum, but be careful about stacking dopamine. Training itself is a stimulus for dopamine release. Cold water is a stimulus for dopamine release. But if you start doing training, cold water, listening to your your favorite music plus you're taking let's say some stimulant doesn't obviously the stimulants we've been talking about are, are terrible but some of the the stronger stimulants out there used to be ephedrine back when i was in college it all makes perfect sense when when because nature is beautiful and the biology is laid out for us but if we start stacking behaviors plus pharmacology plus you know mindsets that increase dopamine great but what that means is that if you get a really big dopamine increase, well, then that afternoon, you might not feel the drive to do the work. You might think, oh, why am I sleeping in the afternoon? Why am I kind of less motivated? Nowadays, you hear, especially in Silicon Valley, about dopamine fasting. You know, the people, I don't even want to look at somebody else's face. I'm not going to eat any, you know, tasty food. I'm not going to do anything that stimulates dopamine. Sure, that will reset what you find pleasurable. But let's be realistic. The better way to do things would be to modulate dopamine release. Control it. Make it work for you. And everyone's going to differ. So for some people, it's got to be music, the pre-workout, the, you know, uh, four cups of espresso and, and, you know, and someone screaming in their face that they have to do it. Well, for other people who require, require fewer of those variables, but everyone needs to learn how they feel both before, during, and after a behavior. You know, I think the right amount of exercise is what you can do consistently and train hard, but that also allow you to perform, unless you're an athlete and that's your, your profession, to be able to do the other things throughout the day that are beneficial to you. So if you start thinking about this and you have a rational structure, it makes sense. It also makes sense why, for instance, after a big win, sometimes we feel a crash and we need some time to reset. And that lower depression, sometimes people make the mistake of going out and pursuing more dopamine. One of the areas that I have real concern about just because I hear about it so often and it wasn't an issue when I was growing up is a lot of young guys in particular approach me because they're 
based on the questions I'm getting, they, they're watching a lot of really intense pornography. And that has, we know there are studies now going on at Stanford and elsewhere. You know, pornography, it, it creates a strong dopamine rush. These are very primitive pathways that in some ways can overwhelm the dopamine system. And then, you know, another thing is happening, which a lot of young guys are getting all this arousal from watching other people have sex. And then they're in the real world scenario and it's like, wait, you're no longer third personing this. You're in, you're actually in this scene and they, and it's completely collapsing them. And so I'm not one of these anti-porn people. I, you know, I, I'm not here to judge. I'm just a scientist. I'm reporting the, I always say I'm, I'm not a doctor. I don't prescribe things. I'm a professor. So I profess things. You can decide what you want to do with it or not. But if you, once you understand dopamine, that all makes perfect sense. They're getting this enormous dopamine release from something that is external to them and real life you know, may not mimic the intensity of the combination of variables, right? Mm -hmm. Or people are exercising for a little while and it's all exciting to them and they're, and they're you know, taking tons and tons of pharmacology to do it and then they kind of lose motivation. Well, it, remember, non-infinite yet renewable resource. Restrict, right.